We're in 1 John chapter 2. Beginning with verse 7. And I want to look this morning at verse verses 7 through 11 if we could. Although there is just a, so much here for us to really give some thought to. Verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you. Which thing is true in him and in you because darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to understand how we are to apply this old and new covenant or command into our lives. How we are to walk in the light as you are in the light and to have fellowship with you. Lord, help us to guard our hearts that we would allow, allow hatred to accumulate in our hearts and cause us to walk in darkness. But that we would walk in the love of life and the love of light. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Now, does it seem like John is having a little bit difficulty trying to decide if he wants to talk about an old commandment or a new? And does it seem a little confusing? I've always thought it was confusing personally and looked at this going, wow, this is not really sure what this is talking about and and just and i'll unfold this as as we go through the message and and just but the the thought um really occurred to me later on in the week because john is not being contradictory here all right he's inspired by the holy spirit and i don't believe that the holy spirit for a moment thought you know what i think i'm going to do this morning i'm going to have john write this letter and i'm going to confuse the daylights out of everybody i'm going to etch it in stone and send it off into the whole entire period of the church and let them figure it out that that's not who who god is he's a good good father and we are loved by him we're saying it and and but you have this you have some comparisons here um between old and new it's not really an old versus new here, but it, it, he brings out both old and new. But you do have this comparison between light and darkness again, and you have a comparison here between between love versus hate, and how how we are to live. And and so uh, he he begins 
in verse 7 by saying, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you've heard from the beginning. Well, what beginning? Obviously, the beginning of their faith. The beginning, now it's very possible that, that this particular book was written originally to the church in Ephesus, just like we are studying the book in, uh, of Ephesus, uh, Ephesians, which was written to uh, the church in Ephesus as well. And, and so he's talking about the beginning of their faith. So he, what, 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 what do we see, for those of you, come on Wednesday nights, what do we see or what do we hear over and over and over again in the book of Ephesians, particularly in the first chapter? And drifting into the second chapter. And then it goes back to it several times in chapter 3 and also in chapter 4. This whole concept of being what? In him. And, and which really encompasses all who God is. All of his characteristics. And, and it, to me it's, it's I, I'm just amazed of, of not only the patience and, 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 and the uh, long-suffering of God but the incredible love that he would take us who are so misformed in compared to him and, and to save us and then begin the sanctification process where, where we begin to be formed into the image of Christ. And even within that, we have that battle between the old man and the new man and and. But, but part of the message of the gospel was not only that, that God loves you, uh, but that God loves you and he wants to save you from your current state. And he wants to do a formation work in your life to bring you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, which is a work that is done by the Holy Spirit. So they, they were given this command uh, from the very beginning. So he's saying, I'm, I'm not going to teach you anything new. Now, this word commandments, remember we talked about this last week. It is, it is not referring to the law. The Greek word is the Greek word entole, E-N-T-O-L-E. In Tole, which re- refers to this idea of precepts or this idea of commands that Jesus had. And, and, and we looked at it again, we looked at this last week, but, but Jesus was asked in Matthew chapter 22, don't, don't bother to turn there, but you know, what is the greatest commandment? And again, it was a lawyer who asked the question, and so obviously it was a trick question. And, and, and what is the greatest commandment of the law? And of course, Jesus said, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, with, uh, and your, all your mind. And the first, uh, that is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so from the very beginning of the gospel, Jesus is saying that not only you will love your, your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, but that love for God has to have some form of substance that, that goes beyond just your love for God, but it has to be uh, love toward other people, which means that God has called you in his love mission toward the world. And I do get concerned when I listened, and, and it's, it's been a while, all right, so I'm not talking about it here. But I do get concerned at times when I, when I listen to people and, and they, they seem to almost have a hatred for the world. What did Jesus tell us about the world? John chapter 3. God 
so loved the world. And why shouldn't they behave the way they behave? They do not have the Holy Spirit in them to give them discernment and wisdom and understanding and a clarity of mind and a clarity of thought. Now, this sounds almost condescending, doesn't it? But hopefully, I, I'm, I'm sharing this with you with, with the understanding of that amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved wretches like us. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, walking in hatred, but now I see. And the problem with the Christian life is, is, is that we, we, we battle at times with going back to that mindset. We battle with it. And so, John, looking to address that, says, I'm not going to write anything uh, uh, new to you. But an old commandment, which you've heard from the beginning, the old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning, that gospel message. In some respects, what is John saying? He'll say this later to the church in Ephesus, where? In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, where he calls the church in Ephesus to go to return to what? Return to what? Come on, you know this. Return, thank you. The return to your first love. And, and in many respects, that is what, what John is doing here. It's a calling to go back to your first love. And then in verse 8, he does a 180, which is interesting because I, I think it blows some of our minds. But he, he does this 180, again, a new commandment I write to you. Which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. It's like, will you make up your mind, John? <clears throat> now, as I, as I gave more thought to what he is saying here, because I, you have to read, in, to, to some degree, you have to, to read past the words that he's saying and try to perceive and understand the message that he's saying behind the words. Because he's implying some things here. In, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 13, that Jesus gives us seven kingdom parables. And at, at the end of Matthew 13, in verse 52, he says, Then he said to them, Therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Every scribe. Instructed concerning the things of the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> brings out of his household things both new and old. Things both new and old. And, and I, I think, and, and I want to end with this, but I want to kind of throw this out here for now. I think what, what John is strongly implying here is that he is calling his the the people he's calling his readers to live in a place of continuous renewal of their lives before the Lord Jesus Christ 
to live in a place of continuous renewal. To recognize that the mercies of God are new every morning. Lamentations says that. Remember I talked about lamentations? You're like, don't teach on that, Mike. Right? Lamentations talks about his mercies that are new every morning. And great is your faithfulness, O God. In the midst of the difficulty and calamity and depression and sadness and, and, and essentially sitting in, 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 the, in the dump, if you will, spiritually, they're calling out to God and declaring his faithfulness. The scribe brings forth out of his household both things new and old. John here is like that scribe. He's bringing forth out of his household, his inner being, being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter, both things new and old. And it, it says that, that these things are true in him because God is love, right? I'll say this later in the, in, in, in the, in the letter. God is love. And these things are, it, are true about him and they are about you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That little phrase, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining, spoke volumes to me this week. I want to try to be or remain polite and understanding and I end uh, why is it that so many Christians are so down in the dumps about the condition of the world and I think at times it 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 demonstrates what we are focusing on if we're complaining about this or that, and, and this is not a good time, is it? All right? This is not a good time. Some of you are laughing like you're just now figuring it out. Yeah? This is, this is not a good time. But David talked about lifting his eyes to the heavens, talking about even lifting his eyes to the hills in worship of God. He lifts up his eyes uh, to the heavens where he, he, he worships God. He focuses on God. He places his, his attention toward God. He recognizes that the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, that's what John is declaring here. That's what the Bible declares here. And that is where we're called to live. Being realistic... Because sometimes life sucks, doesn't it? Can I get a second on that one? (laughs) Yes, sometimes life absolutely sucks. Weeping in the evening, weeping in the but in the in the uh, and sadness in in the darkness in the dark times. But also joy comes in the morning. And sometimes the only thing I believe we really have to hold on to internally is the hope, the blessed hope, the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, the hope of his return, the hope of his establishing the kingdom. 
the hope that the people who are described and, and, and written about in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 who died not seeing the promises fulfilled. We need to start thinking about that a little bit. They saw them what? Afar off. They never saw them fulfilled. But why'd they have hope then? Why'd they have hope? Because God declared it. Because God declared it. And I think at times we have to remind ourselves that the plan of God is just a little bit bigger than your world. And he will do what he's going to do and he will do it when he's going to do it and he will do it how he's going to do it and he will do it why he's going to do it. And I can fight that. Or... I can try to pray things into becoming. That's what Daniel did. But in all of that, we have to learn to trust in him. The old command, which we had from the beginning. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. The new command. Is it something different than that? Is, is, is John talking about two commands here? No. He's talking about the same command. What he is talking about is he wants to take that command and work that into you and to call you to fulfill that command at a higher or a deeper or a a more um, holistic level. In other words, what... John is talking about here with these two commands, which are the same command, is the fact that the Lord has called you to grow in grace. The Lord has called you to be sanctified. The Lord has called you to be continually conformed into his image. Continually formed. And again, I'm going to end with this. John 13, 34, the Last Supper. Jesus says to his disciples as they're at the, uh, at the table, uh, a new command, or, or a new commandment, same word in tole, by the way, a new command I give to you that you love one another. And, and Jesus shares this with his disciples as he's about to go to the cross And what's interesting about this is that this new command that Jesus says is also in conjunction with a new covenant. What am I talking about? Remember when Jesus took the cup after supper and he said, this is the blood of what? The new covenant. It's often you eat and drink. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the blood of the new covenant shed for the sins of the world. So coinciding with a new covenant, a new means by which we have a relationship with God, and this new covenant was prophesied about by the prophet Isaiah, uh, excuse me, by the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31, verse 31, and also in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. 
Jesus, by taking the cup and saying this is the new covenant, he wasn't grabbing a concept out of thin air. He was fulfilling prophecy. And he's saying, now is the time where this is being fulfilled. And the inauguration of the kingdom of God that is here, but it is not yet here in its fullness. So we have a new way to relate to God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and a new calling upon our lives because of the new covenant that is we're to love one another. The two are not inseparable. They two are in sync. And, th- and that's why when Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, he, he's referring again to Deuteronomy chapter 6, where uh, love your Lord your God, well, your heart, soul, your mind, your strength. And then the second is as the first, love your neighbor as yourself. As I talked about last week, he said what? That hangs the entire law and the prophets on that command. The entire law and prophets pointed toward those two commands. Let's flip that around a little bit. In other words, what he's also saying, that you could, you could honor the 635 different laws that are given in Torah, but if you're not following these two commands, it's, it doesn't amount to anything. You become like the sounding brass that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 13 when he says if you don't have love, you're just like a clanging symbol. Now, no offense to any drummers out there, but I, I can't stand the sound of a clanging cymbal. It just, ah. It's like, to me, it's like fingernails on the chalkboard, which doesn't bother me a bit, by the way. But, uh, well, we use whiteboards, right, Bill? So we, we have to come up with a new analogy. I'll come up with something anyway. Because I've tried it on the whiteboards. It doesn't work. <laughs> Trying to irritate students, you know. Anyway, um, but the old fingernails on the chalkboard that really get under people's skins. To me, that's the clanging skin, a symbol. So he goes on and, and he says, he who says he is in the light hates his brothers in darkness until now. So there, if we might, even though we believe we are in the light, walking in the light. He's giving us an, a marker, an identification marker, a beacon, if you will, to do some, uh, some self-evaluation. I talked about this again last week, didn't I? But th- th- there's more self-evaluation that's given here. Just because you say you're in the light does not mean you're in the light. This is what he's saying. I was going to use me as an example, but I would never live this down. So I'll say one of you could stand up and say, I'm a horse. Doesn't mean you are one. Right? It's okay, you can laugh. Just because you say you're something doesn't mean you are. And what John is doing is he's trying to give us a marker so that we are not so easily self-deceived or deceived by the devil. And, and so if you say you, you, you're in the light, you hate your brother, you're in darkness. But he who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. 
John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1, verse 5. And it says, and the light shines on the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And so what John is doing in this letter is he's given us the ability to help comprehend. Now, we probably all have people that we dislike, right? I have people that I dislike. Now, I can assure you, wait a minute. <laughs> it's nobody here, okay? All right? But I have people that I, that I, that I really struggle to get along with. Or we're, we're just on two different wavelengths, right? You have people like that, right? You know, they say yes and you say no or vice versa. Or they say red and you say green. Or they say up, you say down. And, it, it, and sometimes those things can become contentious. I, I meet with a group of pastors, and it, we're, we're getting to the point where all we do is argue about theology, where that, to me, it, it, it just gets old. It just gets old. Um, particularly because I'm right and they're wrong, right? <laughs> and I hope they heard that. But anyway, uh, but I mean, some people you really have to strive to be in fellowship with. And I think sometimes, conversely, we, we mistake what love is. We think love is warm fuzzy, all right? We think love is warm fuzzy and, and just that feeling. And I have that with my wife. I have that with my sons, my grandkids, my dog. It's about it, okay? It's probably about what it should be. But love, as described here, is an action word. It's a verb. It's not a person, place, or thing. It, it is what you do. And, and there have been times that it's like, you know, I remember years ago, it was here, but years ago, none of you were here. None of you were here then. I used to say, you know, just when you've got enough grace out of me, there you go and try to extract a little bit more, right? And it was like, okay, this, this is just the season I'm living in. Right? But love is a verb. Love is to try to do things for, looking out for someone's best interests. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be in your Christmas photo, right? And sometimes there, 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 there needs to be healthy distinctions. And not everybody is trustworthy. Not everybody's trustworthy. And, and, and so, Sometimes there has to be boundaries. Boundaries, I think, are healthy. And setting a proper boundary doesn't mean I don't love someone. Setting a proper boundary also does not, does not mean that I hate someone. But when I, when I, every time a person's name comes up, if my stomach just starts to turn and I'm thinking, boy, I can't stand that person. That per and you might be Right? That person's a jerk. You might be right about that. You probably are. That's the problem with this. You got some people who run around in life with a love me shirt on, but you do have some people who run around in life with a hate me shirt on, right? It's like they ask for it. Or they're contentious. All they want to do is pick and fight, which to me gets really old. 
really old. And, and there have been times that I've had to say, Lord, I just need to try to love this person in the same way that you love them. Now, it's interesting because I did some studies on this word hate. And, and in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in a Jewish mindset, it really can be, can be looked at in a very different way than we do in the English mindset. And, and sometimes it's given as a comparison. But it, in, in, the, in the Jewish mindset, it doesn't always mean to hold someone in disfavor or to be disinclined to them. Uh, but what's interesting here is that you have a person that John is describing who is blinded by hate. They're blinded by hate. Because it says here what? Uh, he who hates his brother uh, is in darkness and walks in darkness. He doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. In other words, the hate in the person's life has caused them to be in darkness. You've heard of the phrase blind, blind ambition? Blind ambition? I, I, I know some pastors that, to me, meet the description of blind ambition. They are so ambitious they can't see beyond their own desire for bigger, better, best. Whatever that is, you'd fill in your own blank. I'm not in the mood for it today. But, but nonetheless, we can be blinded by hate. Because if you th- I, think, I think if we're real honest at times, it's kind of fun to hate somebody. <laughs> Some of you are laughing. I'm not sure why, but um, maybe you can relate. I don't know. I, I think at times, it, it, you know, you just think, oh, they're such a jerk. And, and the problem with you dwelling on the fact that they are a jerk does this. They go down here, and you start to go your right hand. You're, my, you're, the, you're the right hand. You go up here, and you see them way down here, and you see yourself way up here, and it's an um, unrealistic view on both sides. One of the things that the Lord has been teaching me about people, because I believe I do have a gift of discernment, which is a very, um, it's a gift that has to be handled with a lot of care because it can, you can become judgmental. I talked about this last week, remember? And that is that, that each of us have this mixture. Each of us have this mixture of spirit and flesh. Each of us have this mixture of, of, of things that God has really done a work on in our lives, and then there's everything else, right? God's really done a work on me in certain areas of my life, and then there's areas that, that I tend to feel like maybe he's neglected, right? Or maybe I'm glad that he has, right? We go through those head trips too, don't we? And... And so in our lives, I think another application of this little parable that Jesus talked about in Matthew 13 of the old and new, that each of us consists of a new life in Christ and an old life of our old nature. And Paul was very clear about that in the book of Romans, wasn't he? And what I've realized that if we are blinded by anything... 
whether it be ambition or hatred or, or um, gosh, I, don't, I, don't have, I can't make a good list today. But if we're blinded by anything and we begin to walk in darkness and it says that, that we don't know where we're going. We're going somewhere, but we don't know where, you're go- where we're going. Kind of like walking into a very dark room and your eyes haven't adjusted yet. Or you go from outside, excuse me, inside to outside and your eyes haven't adjusted yet. And, and you're not even really sure where you're going. You have a sense of direction, but you're not really sure where you're going. And if you're not sure where you're going, guess where you're probably going to be going to, going to arrive at? Somewhere different than what you planned. Right, because remember, what, what is John saying here? He who says he is in the light hates his brothers in darkness. In other words, part of what I think John is implying here is that you can be in darkness and not even realize it. There are times when I'm leading worship, I'm looking at the words and the chords and stuff, and I I get lost. I get completely lost. (laughs) And I'm like, where am I? I don't know, but I know the songs that keep going, right? You know, and and, and it's it's like things take over, right? The habit, right? You you do a song long enough, you kind of learn it, right? But there are times I'm like, where am I? Where am I? I'm trying to find where I'm at, and it's like, okay. And and there have been times like it seems like God feeds me one word at a time back to my memory. Okay, I'm still in this, right? But... I feel like I'm walking in darkness when I'm doing it, right? But we do the same thing. We default to what we know. We default to what we know rather than to walking the light and allowing the light of the Lord Jesus Christ to expose new things to us so that he can continue to grow us. See, to sum this up, an old commandment and a new commandment. It is an old commandment that he has called you to walk in the light of and to live it in a new way. An old commandment that he has called you to walk in the light of, but to live it in a new way. Now, it's my belief, it's my hope, that all of us have matured spiritually to some degree or another, and we are more spiritually mature this morning than we were, let's say, two years ago. That's my hope, all right? I may not be right, that's my hope. And I hope in two years from now that we've all continue to move forward along the path of discipleship. But this calling that we have, this calling toward renewal, this is where I want to end, but like I said, I wanted to come back to this. It's a calling back to the foundation of the Christian life, which is love, but it is a calling to live in a newer way. It is a calling to live in a deeper way. My capacity for love, as an example, your capacity for love 
hopefully, is much greater today than it was, let's say, when you were 12. I hope. Probably. Hopefully, your capacity has matured and has grown. And you understand the depths of what love really is rather than existing on the surface of your emotion. We're called to live the Christian life, I think, and the concepts of the Christian life really over and over again. I think, I think the Christian life is, in one respect, is very, is very, very simple. Love your neighbor as yourself. But also I think it is very complex because we do not have the capacity as new Christians, when we were new Christians, to love our neighbor as ourselves than, than we do when we have been in the faith for a number of years. If you are spiritually growing, if you are maturing in the faith. And, and this, this idea of spiritual growth, this idea of spiritual maturity, it, it, it never stops, all right? It, it, I tend to think that, that we enter into a perfect state when we go into the presence of God, but I sometimes wonder about that, but that's another sermon for, that's another discussion. It, it, that won't be a sermon, okay? That'll be another discussion for number, another time. Because when I get to heaven, the first thing I want to do is enroll in seminary, all right? Again, I think it'd be great. Um, We're called to live the Christian life in deeper, more spiritually profound ways as we continue in our faith. It's always a call to renewal in the Christian life. Again, as I mentioned earlier, Lamentations chapter 3, where it says that, that the mercies of God, they are new every morning and great is your faithfulness. And I think part of the thing that we as Christians, we, we get there and we, of course, we don't, there's a lot of things we don't like to admit, but that's okay. It's part of the growth, right? Okay. But I think we hit plateaus, level spots where we are no longer upwardly growing, to use that as an analogy. I think we hit plateaus and we're like, this is, this is good. This is good. I can pitch the tent here. It's level ground. I can stay here for a while. And what I've found is I believe that if we really say that in our hearts, um, I think God allows us to do that. Now, I think eventually he's like, uh, time to kick you out and move you forward. And allow you to grow. But I, I think we, we want a plateau when in reality, and, and, and so much in, in the Christian, I think of even Bernard, uh, he, he talked about the, uh, the Christian life as an, a going up a ladder toward heaven. Other, other writers have talked about this as the Christian life is this upward ascent, uh, becoming closer and closer to God. And, and so his mercies are new for us every morning. Psalm 51, the great psalm of repentance, it says in verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew 
renew a steadfast spirit within me. Again, the calling on our lives is a calling, as Christians, is a calling toward renewal. The calling to, 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 to confess our sin and then to allow God to renew a steadfast spirit in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what? New. He's called us to walk in the newness of our faith. Ephesians 4. We just studied this, right? Ephesians 4, 23, 24. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We're to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, you're not going to get renewed... Follow my logic here, as flawed as it may be. You're not going to get renewed until, unless you realize that you need to be. Right? In other words, you have to present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Which even in that passage in Romans 12, you're called by the renewing what? Renewing again of what? Of your mind. Okay, Lord, I need you to renew my mind. I hate to pick on TV. Because when I do, I know I have to pick on the internet too. Right? I don't like. And I, I'm, I, I'm on the internet, but I don't watch a lot of television. So I won't pick on either one. But I will say... We have to renew sometimes the things we stick in front of our eyes. Or allow our ears to hear. Colossians 3.10. And, and have put on the new man. Ephesians 4 talked about this, right? Put on the new man who was renewed. This ever active present tense form of of ministry that the Holy Spirit has in your life where he wants to continue to renew you. And even Titus 3, where it talks about that the Lord saves us at, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The renewing of the Holy Spirit. But I think we land here again where I started on this some of these verses is in the book of Lamentations where his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning because you might have blown it yesterday. Did you guys blow it yesterday? <laughs> some of you shook your head. I was about to say your name, but I thought better not. Um, or you didn't have a good week last week. I didn't have a good week last week. I had a horrible week last week. Um, physically. Just horrible. Um, you know how it is when you don't feel good physically? You don't want to do, you just like, I don't want to do anything. And, and then, so I had to practice this and, it, you know, wake up and, all right, Lord, please renew me. Uh, how about if you renew me while I take a nap, right? Because I don't feel good, right? You know, it, it, sometimes taking a nap is the most spiritual thing you can do, guys. Really. <laughs> you're with me, right? Okay, okay. Sometimes that's the most spiritual thing you can do. 
And I think often it is, is that we think about renewal as this, this, this uh, especially Pentecostals, I think they do. They think about renewal as this ecstatic experience that they've had, and boom, they're off and running. Okay? But I think biblically, we're called to renew every day. We're called to renew every day. You know, I, I think even praying the, 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 the prayer of examination in the evening, examining your day, and waking up the next morning and saying, Lord, you've given me the gift of another day. Please renew me by your power of your Holy Spirit that may walk in your ways. So that the old command may be fulfilled in your life in new and in more glorious ways. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, that, that you really desire to touch the depth and the core of who we are as people. And of course, why wouldn't you? Your spirit dwells in us. So you desire to commune with us. And so, Lord, I, I would pray that for each of us here this morning, that, that you would cause us to walk in the newness of life every day. As one of the reformers even talked about, Lord, that we would even remember our baptism, that we would remember that which you did for us on the cross. Help us to not be people who hate, but to be people who love. And Lord, we recognize that as we allow you to continue to renew us, you will also give us the light of life to walk in. So we pray that for us this week. Lord, we again confess that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. So be blessed and be glorified. Be exalted, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. God bless you guys.